Let's assume you've completed that now. So you've you got a job description. You've written out some interview questions. What's next? Industry dependent, of course, is, and we already hinted on this or touched on this, but the legal liabilities that come with hiring in that, in your specific industry. Right. You need to know what you're getting into, right? Right. (laughs) What are your responsibilities as the employer to protect the employee, make sure they're safe? What are industry regs, federal and state, depending on how, how large of a scale you're operating on? Right. Are you, are you allowed to require a drug test? Are you allowed to do some kind of testing in nature to, to test skills if you're in an industry or a job, particularly if you have a lot of safety potential issues in manufacturing or something, you might want to do a, a, jo- a job skill test to verify what they're telling you right. verbally is reality. And making is sure- Is that allowed in your state? Welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area. And I'm Zach Levy, your other co-host. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan. Together, Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved. We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life. And with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. Welcome to this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. My name's Ian McDowell, co-host. And I'm Zach Levy, your other co-host. Thank you for joining us this week. And uh, once again, we're joined by my much better half, uh, Megan Levy. Good to see you on the podcast, babe. Good to see y'all. Glad to be here this morning. Yeah, glad to have you. So our episode today is kind of a scary one for entrepreneurs. We're going to talk about that big decision at some point, almost every entrepreneur comes along is, is it time to hire someone? Or hire more. Or hire more. Probably more of an emphasis on hiring the first one with the steps we're going to go through. I think that's the scariest. It is. It is. And it's the scariest because all of a sudden you're now responsible for other people in a financial way, a legal way, those type things. And that can be scary to a lot of folks that all of a sudden have to jump into that pool, so to speak. So we wanted to take some time to take you through some steps that would sort of be best practices, if you will, in going through that process of your first hire and making that decision. So let's start off with how do you know when you're ready to start hiring? What what might be some reasons that you I mean, start considering hiring somebody? One, we've... <laughs> talked about a hundred times when it, I mean, referencing back to our leadership episode Mm -hmm. is being caught up working in your business, too much tactical work, too much operational work on yourself to where you're not able to see past what's right in front of your face. Right. There's not enough hours in the day, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, if you're if you're a solopreneur, self-employed, truly self-employed, not running a business, but solely self-employed, it's it's still the proposition of your money's based on the time that you spend working. So you can never have freedom of both at the same time. Right. And in some ways, that's a quote good problem unquote to have in your business. That means you're you're showing some kind of level of success, unless you're just so inefficient in the way that you 
run your business that you might need some help for somebody to come in and help you be efficient right. in your business. As long as you're being productive, not right. quote unquote busy. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. What if you're not, what if you're not up to your eyeballs, so to speak and work? What might be another reason that you go to hire somebody? A lot of I mean, times we're missing a certain skill set because our, our personalities, you know, render to being good at certain skills and mm-hmm. not good at others. You know, Zach and I can relate to that completely. He's the go, 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 you know, and just do things quickly. And I'm the more slow paced, take the time, keep everything organized, make mm-hmm. sure the schedule is straight, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, for us, that partnership is key to our business being successful because we know our, our, you know, positive traits and our negative traits. Or you may have in your business growth hit a phase where you need to start bringing in a certain skill set that maybe right. you knew all along, eventually you're going to have to get to this point. Right. In the beginning, you didn't need it, but eventually you reach that point and say, okay, I need to, I need to either outsource it or hire somebody to do it, or you might outsource it for a while till that the need of that skill grows to a point where you get the economics to hire somebody. Right. And you let go of the outsourcer and hire somebody to come in and do it full time. One a great example of that that comes to mind is coming from, for example, the the restaurant industry. I know a bunch of people that they, you know, they had a great idea, great recipe, mm-hmm. great atmosphere. They could put together a great restaurant, but when it came to their business, they had no clue, right? They had no clue how to run the books, P&Ls, things right. like that. So that's when they hire a general manager or somebody that runs that part of the business. Runs the back office, so right, to speak. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Good example. So, and in our business, it's hiring an office manager that handles all the paperwork talks to our back office. And that way we're working with client facing instead of getting so, tied up in the weeds, if you will. Right. So capacity issues as well. So another reason might be you feel like you want to start working on your business, but you're still in it right? too much. So you're able to handle the workload that you have, but you, know, you get new ideas that you want to incorporate into your business and so forth, and you need time to be able to plan the activities to get yourself to bring in those new items, for right. example. But you just don't have the time to do it because you're still too much in the business. So you might say, well, here's an opportunity to bring in somebody to maybe on a part-time basis right? to take enough of a load off of you that you have the ability to start working on your business and do more planning. But you're still maintaining profitability to where you need to be to be operational. And I mean, this referencing back to a couple episodes ago, business strategy, this all ties in. You've got to have an expansion strategy, Mm -hmm. right? So when it comes to actually taking the steps to hiring, I mean, step number one is figuring out exactly what the position you're hiring for is not just a general employee, but being detailed. It's just like setting a strategy in place. What's your employee going to look like? Yeah. This is not the time for the Hail Mary strategy when it comes to hiring people. Right, we talked about that in the strategy episodes. Can lose you know, your butt go real quick. Right, you need to be intentional uh, for a number of reasons. Legal reasons being number one, that you want to formally define what the job is. What does it entail? What kind of requirements must the person bring to the table to do the job effectively? And those type of things. And that's what the, the role of the job description plays in this process. So what are some of the things that you had put in a job description? Number one is, I mean, the duties of the job, the responsibilities. Duties, right. Duties and responsibilities. So have those clearly defined because, you know, being in management before running our business, things like that, people want to know, people don't want to sign up for something and then be thrown a bunch of other things that they weren't expecting. So make sure that that job description is clearly defined, concrete, Mm -hmm. and you know, you have that conversation with whoever you hire that, 
this is your job description. If you foresee there being some flexibility in there that things may change, make sure you have that conversation as well. Yeah, and then there's that infamous bullet item at the very bottom. It says other duties as assigned. Right. right. That's the flex point for the employer. You know, things come up short short term or just a day or something. You need somebody to take care of something that falls in that in that bucket mm-hmm. of other duties as assigned, but you don't want that to be the only bullet in the job description. Right. You want to give them a good idea <laughs> of the day-to-day and then be ready for some curveballs. Exactly. All right. What else What else goes into a job description? Of how, course, pay. How about I the pay, right? I think that's an right? important yeah. one. I mean, right. It's what everybody looks for first. We're not asking, <laughs> like, how much does we're not asking for volunteers. <laughs> yeah, you're either going to put a specific, you know, certain number of dollars per hour or dollars per week or something that's very specific, or you can put it in a range. Right. You know, and say, depending on the experience that the person brings to the table, you're willing to look somewhere in this range well, in terms of a salary. If it's salary, commission-based, commission-based mixed, based. bonusable, et cetera. Right. Right. And then also other benefits. I mean, something that's very, very attractive, of course, to employees is the, is what kind of benefits are they provided as well as an employee? So 401k, health benefits, et cetera. Other, other perks, you know, right. do you, is a car going to be provided or is transportation going to be provided? Come with it. Come with a job, you know, particularly if you've got. You're hiring a salesperson to cover a territory. Right. You might need to provide something like that. In that case, if you if you can't provide a car, you need to be able to tell the the candidate, hey, I need you to use your own car and I'm willing to reimburse you for mileage or something of that nature right. for the use of your car. But then also, you know, again, like you said, it could be pay could be scaled based on experience. So what kind of experience are you looking for? Educational mm-hmm. background, criminal background. <laughs> Right, must be able to pass a federal background check or not. I know that's big in our industry, but then also the the length of of training. How long is it going to take for them to become proficient? Typically, yeah, that one needs to be communicated to the candidate. You may not have that in the job description, but you need to at least communicate it through the interview or something of that nature. Right. This is. If you bring this level of experience to the job, then we anticipate you being able to go full speed in two weeks or four weeks or six months or whatever it might be. Right. Well, that was something um, on the front end back when I was in restaurant management that was mm-hmm. really attractive was just how way, how well laid out the first steps of the process and the management with the company was. It was defined 12-week training program. You go to the corporate office for four days. So you already knew exactly what was going on and what was going to what was what it was going to entail. Mm-hmm. So, and that depends on the candidate, of course, what kind of personality type they are. Right. But for me, it was very attractive because it was here's the information. Now we get to doing it. So another important part of the job description is not only to protect yourself from a legal perspective, but also be able to communicate when you. Go to an Indeed.com or Monster.com or whatever means you're going to use to advertise the position communicates to a potential candidate what it's all about. So it's that's the mechanism you can use to communicate to the platform you're going to use to advertise the position. So once again, you don't want to do a Hail Mary pass and just throw it out there, put it on Craigslist and hope somebody... Well, there's legal liability, Fines. financial yeah. liability, all kinds of liabilities with it. So, reputation liability, brand liability. The very important first step. All right, so let's assume assume now that you've done that step, you've got a job description in hand. Now you need to start thinking about interviews. So, my position with interviews from my job experience and career has been: you're trying to elicit certain information about your candidate through that process. You're trying to get an understanding of their ability to be successful in executing in that job. So what might be some things that you want to try and draw out of the candidate when you're 
interviewing? Biggest thing I think would be prior experience and skill set. Yeah. So they're probably going to send you a resume and so forth. Right. So you're going to have at least on a sheet of paper, what they claim to have is their experience and you can use interview questions just for clarifications. Right. And what they've presented in their resume or CV. Well, make sure what they actually wrote down on papers holds true. Does everything line up as well? Or they may not have been very clear in it and you're trying to get more drilled down and get more specific in it. So you have a better understanding of what their experience was. And of course, experience level is going to be position and industry dependent. I mean, there's some positions you can fill. Somebody has zero experience, but as long as they're coachable, that's a big question I ask when interviewing is on a scale of one to 10, how coachable are you? Mm -hmm. Can you take direction? Well, can you take a little bit of criticism, constructive criticism? Well, and what's your experience been in the past with that? Right. Yeah. And I think that kind of digs into really learning about their personality and their character and their attitude to see if those things are going to line up with, you know, with your culture that you've already created. Yeah. You want to gauge on their growth mindset, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You might bring a ton of experience, but if you, if you think you've got it all down pat <laughs> and you get into the job and you're not executing to the desires of quote management, can you have a respectful conversation about that and take the, like you said, the constructive criticism from that and, and adjust your behavior or performance, whatever the issue might be. Like I would rather hire somebody with zero experience that's coachable than an expert that thinks they know everything. Totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. You know, I'd rather hire, hire the B student with a great attitude than the A plus student that thinks they know everything. Yeah. I mean, I, All day. I stepped into my first career having virtually no experience in that specific part. I was a golfer all of my life, but I was never an instructor. Mm -hmm. And I got a, you know, I got a job with basically zero experience at one of the largest clubs in the Southeast. How did I get that? They were seeking out the right person with the right character and the right growth mindset, that Mm -hmm. attitude that is going to grow with them because they can teach me how to teach golf. Mm -hmm. I know the game. They can teach me how to teach. They needed the right person. And I think that's so, so, so important. And that can be missed by trying to hire a skill set. And to find those type things out in an interview takes, it's a little bit of an art in guiding your interview questions to elicit reaction and answers that will sort of give you that gut feeling Mm -hmm. about, about the individual in front of you. Yeah. And I think it's important during that process to, you know, have your formal sit down you know, one-on-one question answer time, but also have time where you're able to be in a little bit more relaxed state with the candidate Mm -hmm. because then you start to see their true colors instead of their, you know, stiff, tightened up. I've got to be perfect for the interview. Getting them in their more natural state can help you really see those features. Right. So what other skills or items do we want to, bring out from a candidate. I think it's really important. important. Well, I mean, maybe we should have talked about this first. Cause I think we should always start with why, <laughs> right? why, what, why? <laughs> what is their why? Oh, what is their why? Yes. Yes. So I had to plug Simon Sinek there for a second, but what is their why? Not just in business, not just why they want the job, but what is their mm-hmm. why in life? What do they want out of life? Because that's going to be very, dependent on their, I think their work ethic, right? What's their, why is it, you know, supporting their family? Is it getting to a new goal for themselves? Is it helping a family grow or helping a company grow, being something, being part of something bigger? I cannot talk this morning, (laughs) but figuring that out, is it going to align with the company's why? Yeah. So in my career, a lot of times my, excuse me, my direct reports were doing the hiring. In other words, they were hiring people that would report into them. And I often would sit in on those interviews and just be quiet through the whole thing. And then at the very end, I would throw one question in. 
at the very end, and it was all centered around their their why and their passion for aviation. Because to me, that was a big part of the litmus test of whether I thought they would be a successful employee in our ranks. Is why why are you here? What is your passion for aviation? You know, because that's going to help you get out of bed in the morning and do the commute and get in get into work and do right. be success successful in your position. And then, I mean, personality types. That's that's a key one. I mean, that's something. Well, that's that's a culture issue, right? Right. Are you going to fit into the culture of our organization? Something we just you know when we were new in business had to learn. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. are we recruiting and hiring the right personality types? Because if not, they might have a laundry list of experience, but mm-hmm. you start button heads and, or they start button heads with other team members and you get a force fire. Right. So you want to figure out whether they're a team player. This goes back to the mindset issue. Are they a team player? Do they communicate well with others? Do they fit into the culture and those type things? How well do they communicate? Right. Either in written form or verbally and do they do they understand what are important things that you know hey i need to communicate this to to the boss or management or the owner or whatever because i see this as a a big issue for the business can they communicate respectfully about red flags right and also i mean personality type their why everything kind of ties in with this is what kind of work-life balance do they desire what are they looking for because you know how much time are they going to spend committed to their job how much time are they going to spend committed to their family Mm -hmm. right i mean i think a work-life balance is very important to provide for employees but it can't be so much that it doesn't allow them to get their job done right right so have that conversation what their expectations are because you're not going to be able to change that if they want something and you can't deliver it, it's not going to be worth it to hire them. Even if you're in a desperate mode, don't hire desperately. I think that's a big asterisk is don't hire desperately, hire the right person. Yeah. So I think it's important to take everything we just talked about here in the last five minutes or so in terms of types of interview questions and what you're trying to listen out, but to actually sit down with a piece of paper and write out your questions. You may not use them all in the interview, depending on how the flow of the conversation goes. They may, you may ask one question and answer their answer answers three questions. That's on your list, and you can just cross off all those three, you know, in that one fell swoop, so to speak, and just move on with the with the flow in terms of your other questions on your list. Well, I think a big piece of the right interview questions is also something I learned just through hiring is I found much better candidates and found much more out about people when I interviewed and asked open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't want to ask yes or no questions. Yeah. I think that's a big piece for, especially if you're new to hiring, that's a big piece. It's, are you coachable? Yes. No. Right. We need to know why you're coachable, how you're coachable. So even if I do ask a yes or no, it's okay, well, can you give me an instance of where you've had to receive criticism, how you dealt Mm -hmm. with it, and how you corrected, if you will, or how were you coachable? Right. Give an example of it. Right. So if it's a yes or no, have an example. Otherwise, open-ended questions because it forces them to tell a story, and that's where you find out more about your candidate or your prospect, if you will. Yeah, so another important reason, I think, to write down your questions is you want to be able to compare candidates. You know, if you're bringing in 10 people to interview and you want to do a comparison of of the 10, if you're being disciplined and asking the same questions over and over, then you you sort of have an apples to apples kind Mm -hmm. of comparison, as opposed to if you don't, and then you get one candidate that's going off on tangents and whatnot, it's... It's kind of difficult. It feels more like an apples to oranges comparison because you didn't use the same structure, if you will, through the interview process. Okay, let's assume you've completed that now. So you've you got a job description. You've written out some interview questions. What's next? Industry dependent, of course, is, and we already hinted on this or touched on this, but the legal liabilities that come with hiring in that, in your specific industry. 
Right. You need to know what you're getting into, right? Right. <laughs> what are your responsibilities as the employer to protect the employee, make sure they're safe? What are industry regs, federal and state, depending on how how large of a scale you're operating on? Right. Are you, are you allowed to require a drug test? Are you allowed to do some kind of testing in nature to, to test skills if you're in an industry or a job, particularly if you have a lot of safety potential issues in manufacturing or something, you might want to do a, a, jo- a job skill test to verify what they're telling you right. verbally is reality. And making is sure... Is that allowed in your state? Right. You know? Also making sure that any requirements you have for that position that you're not breaching any anti-discrimination laws or things mm-hmm. like that. Those are, of course, in today's world are more and more prevalent in the in the workspace. Right. So uniform requirements, hair requirements, things like that. You've got to make sure you're up to up to par, if you will, on current standards and regulations, what's allowed to be enforced and what's not. Right. And what's allowed. Right. Because you know, every state's slightly different. Even if it's not your first hire, you might be your first hire in a different state. Right. Right. So you may not follow all the steps we go through in this episode, but you still need to understand the, re- you know, the results or the requirements in the other state and how they might be slightly different than the state that you first started the business in. Right. We most definitely learned that one personally. Well, I think it's also important to make sure that if someone coming on needs certain certifications, certain educational requirements to be able to do what you do or talk about what you do. I know we have that in our industry, just making sure that you follow the legal standards with the industry that you're in with hiring someone. You might have for business reasons or legal reasons, a necessity that the new employee signs an employment contract. Right. Another reason that you want to get involved with an employment lawyer is to ask for assistance from them to develop that sort of boilerplate contract, particularly if you're going to be eventually down the road hiring a multiple of employees in sort of that job description. Well, and protecting yourself from a legal aspect. I mean, arbitration agreements. Non-disclosure agreements. If you want to protect yourself that your trade secrets or patents or anything of that nature are not disclosed to others. Right. You're probably going to have them sign an NDA. Mm Mm-hmm. Non-competes as well, depending Non-competes. on what industry. Mm-hmm. What industry and what circumstances. So all those are issues you need to think about to not only protect the employee, but protect yourself as a business owner. Try and find that, if you will, win-win between the two. And, and put the proper documents in place at the start of employment. And it's a very big key here is, you know, it. it's easy, especially for solopreneurs, new entrepreneurs that are starting to hire or are starting to expand more to say, oh, just, you know, cut the corners, take the cheaper route, the easy Mm -hmm. route that can come back to bite you in the butt tenfold of what you saved on the front end. If you don't let the right processes out. Yes. So just as you're hiring, as you're going about these processes, make sure you're taking the proper steps to protect yourself and protect the employee. It's a win-win, right? And, you know, this is why we chose to do this episode is giving a little little advice on this. But if you're if you're lost on starting to hire and things like that, I I mean, there's great business coaches in the Atlanta area. <laughs> but yeah, I can think of one. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing to be on the lookout for, not necessarily when you hire your first employee, but there are certain federal and state regulations that kick in once you cross a threshold of a number of employees. Mm-hmm. Right. So usually it's somewhere in the 10, 15, or 20 employee range that you've got to be aware of. That You might not have to face right at the beginning, but as your business grows and you hire more employees, something might kick in. And you just need to be aware of that so you don't get uh, a gotcha, if you will, after you cross the threshold and didn't do certain things that, you're, that the uh, federal or state government requires. All right, so let's assume you had a great meeting with an employment lawyer and you've got all those risk, if you will, elements taken care of. What happens after you hire the employee? What what kinds of things do you need to get set up? You got to uh, figure out how you're going to pay them. That's number one. 
They want their money. They're not there for free mm-hmm. again. So, so developing how- a payroll system, potentially, we talked about outsourcing earlier, hiring a payroll company to facilitate that, you know, handle the W-2s and everything yeah, like that Yeah, make sure all the you. taxes are taken care of and right. Social Security and all those things. Because as we all know, tax codes change all the time and they're tricky and mm-hmm. probably best to have a professional take care of those. So, um, looking at that, who are you going to use? Heck, start interviewing different payroll companies if you're hiring. Right. Right? Because some are better than others. So, but then also setting up benefits, things like that. Health insurance, et cetera. Life insurance. Life insurance, 401k plans. And depending on what kind of company, it may not be a 401k. It may be a different type of employer-sponsored plan. Child Um, care. Child care, et cetera. I mean, there's different types of benefits that you can provide. Worked legally. with a number of companies on helping them facilitate that. It's somewhat of a process. Mm-hmm. They need somebody trusted to do that. And there's fees involved. Right. So making sure that everything is, same with payroll, all of this, making sure that everything, you're getting the best bang for your buck, you're getting the best value, and that your employees are also getting the best value, again, protecting you and giving the employee the best available, if you will. Yeah, and something to keep to keep in mind, a person is making a choice to come work for you. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, as a human being, they have the right as a choice. You can, you can make a job description and put it out there and you recruit candidates, but at the end of the day, you're making an offer that hopefully there's a reciprocal choice to say, yes, I accept that offer and I will right. come work for you. So you want to create an environment within your business that's inviting mm-hmm. to attract the best talent that's available out in the um, marketplace, so to speak. And that's where, you know, benefits really start playing. You know, in today's world, think about when are you going to start bringing in benefits for employees? You may right. not be able to do it in your first two or three, you know, and you sort of have to roll the dice, so to speak, of who you bring in. But after that, you know, hopefully you get your profit profit levels to a point that you can start offering some benefits uh, to employees to make your, your workplace more inviting for people to make choices to come and right. work for you. I mean, you're going to get the best candidates that way because it it's a give and take relationship. There's got to be, you know, the employee is going to say, what's in it for me more so than just pay now. Mm-hmm. Right. So every town has multiple employers. Right. Every single town has multiple employers. They can go shop somewhere else, <laughs> if you will. So what's in it for them? And um, now in today's world with the internet and so forth, the the scope, if you will, of people that you might take, potentially be able to take a job with grows, particularly after COVID and all the technologies that have been built right. with Zoom and so forth. And the possibility is almost endless. More so than just benefits, though, is the culture, is the appreciation factor. Mm-hmm. I think people will, and they have, I've seen it, take a position where they feel appreciated and cared about and seen over somewhere where they're getting more pay or more benefits. Yeah. So think about that when you put your strategy together in terms of hiring folks is about how, how attractive are you as a boss? (laughs) You know, when you're going through the interview process, they're, they're evaluating you as much as you're evaluating Mm -hmm. them. Yep. Right. So they're putting themselves in the shoes of, is this somebody I want to work for? You know, in, in subtle ways, they're sort of interviewing you mm-hmm. in terms of, is, is this who I want to come work for? Because the biggest reason people leave their job is because of their manager. Right. And their relationship with the manager. So a lot of times they're looking as a candidate through the interview process, is this somebody I really want to work for? Do I think I'm going to be heard? Are they going to listen to my ideas? Are they going to take them into consideration? Are they going to provide an environment that's going to allow me to grow as an individual and in my career? 
and all those type of things. And they're trying to subtly find that information out through the interview process. And that's important to note in the interview process is asking them and finding out what they want. Mm-hmm. What do they want out of a job? Because, you know, if you find them as an attractive candidate and you want them, again, they can go somewhere else and get another job, right? Especially if they're a high-quality candidate with a great resume, with a great attitude, with a great work ethic, with a great track record, mm-hmm. right? They can very easily go somewhere else. So instead of taking, you know, the, if you will, the, 80s and 90s corporate America staunch approach. The world has changed. We've talked about this before. Helping, letting them be the hero of their story, letting your business, that job, be the tool that helps them be the hero. Right. If you will. Right. right? In their life. And really expressing once you've figured out, hey, this is a candidate that's really attractive to me. Here's how I help you get what you want, not just here's your job. Yeah, how how can you create it as a relationship that's m- much bigger than just you're my boss, you're my employer, right? It's how can we find the win-win from this relationship, right? You help me to grow my business, but yet I'm going to turn around and help you in your in your life or in your career right. from that standpoint. Those always end up in much better results, if you will, out of a hiring process than just I'm looking for a body that can do these bullets on a job description. Right. And I think along with that, to get some of that feel out is allowing the candidate to ask questions and have a, you know, a two-way conversation with you, not just a one-way, here's a question before you answer it. Like having that conversation and, and, you know, reversing questions back to you as the interviewer. So that way they know if they're going to be happy there as well. Right. Okay, so everything that we've talked about so far has all been about planning for the big moment, right? Right. Job descriptions, interview questions, research under legal and fiscal requirements, talking with an employment attorney, setting up payroll and benefits packages if you're going to offer that. All those things are all about planning and getting the environment, if you will, set up for interviews and the possibility of hiring. Now we move into you're ready to pull the trigger and get things going. So the first thing that you need to do is to actually advertise the position so that you can start pulling in candidates. Right. Which is so much easier in today's world than it used to be. Oh yeah. Social media, indeed monster or classifieds in the newspaper right. or the, you know, the old, old ways used to advertise positions and you need, need a means for which the candidates can send in a resume or a CV and actually apply for a position to provide you some initial information for you to make a decision as to whether you want to actually interview them. And then once you've made that decision to actually communicate that to them and set up a time. So what are some tips that let's say that you've got, 10 people that you want to interview, what what are some tips about how you actually conduct interviews? What's hmm. some, what, this, what, what are some things you need to consider in the actual execution, if you will, of an interview? On the note that you mentioned is they're also interviewing you. Mm-hmm. Are they, are you a leader that they want to follow? Mm-hmm. Right. So even if you're in a trades position, you've been a solopreneur when you're interviewing stepping it up, dressing appropriately, more professionally than what you work on projects in, I'd say, right? Looking like a business owner, not a... Yeah, I have a, I, have, I have a perfect example of that. I got approached by a headhunter about a position as the CEO of the American division of a European company. And the gentleman who was interviewing me wasn't able to travel to the United States, so... I did it over Skype, you know, pre-Zoom mm-hmm. over Skype. And he wanted to schedule it on a Saturday. Which when you get to that kind of level of positions, you need to make yourself available on any, on any day at any time to have those kind of interviews. So I set it up for a Saturday. And I got myself dressed up appropriately, you know, shirt, tie, jacket. I knew it was going to be on video, so... I, I wore jeans, 
but you know, at least the visible part looked like I was dressed appropriately, Much particularly like since it was now. a Saturday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and dialed into the meeting and video screen pops up in his apartment and he's dressed in a casual shirt and jeans. And I was just like, are, are you not taking this right. interview seriously? First of all, you you could only do it on a Saturday. I know it's not a business day, but you didn't tell me that I could come dressed casually. <laughs> I mean, to a point. I was trying to be respectful of you as an individual, your position and your company, and you come dressed in a casual shirt and jeans to an interview. Right. To like, a point you feel disrespected. And- well, it's like, do I really want to go work for this company? Right. You know. Sure, lots of nice things in terms of the CEO of a of a division in the United States, and then, you know all the perks that come with that, and so forth. But from a culture per- perspective, and you're going to be my boss, is that right? That really doesn't really send a good message. I didn't walk away from that interview with a good feeling, and it ends up at the end of it, they walked away and didn't hire anybody. They they kept the CEO that they had. I later did business with that company, and I know. This for a fact, because the gentleman was still there, you know. Anyway, let, let that be a lesson to us all. You know, be respectful of people and your your reputation and what you're bringing to the table when you do an interview. Right. But then also a, a big piece is, you know, and this is dependent on where you work, how you work, but being in a quiet location or in my case, I mean, now we do most of our interviews over zoom, so Mm -hmm. that's easy. (laughs) But when I was in restaurant management, I'd make sure I scheduled my interviews at the slowest times. So the restaurant was quiet, right? Be away from most of the patrons of the restaurant because in the restaurants I I was in, there wasn't a large office or the manager's office was basically a coat closet. (laughs) Right. So it was doing interviews out in a booth. So, but making sure it was away from patrons, it was at a quiet time so that there were very, very limited distractions. Right. I've seen for both of us, because I'm admittedly as ADD as the next. Well, <laughs> so, I've, had, I've had situations where I went into a restaurant, you know, to go have a meal and sat me down next to a table where an interview was going on right next to it. And I'm just shaking my head going, why? You can't. Ask them to find you one in a corner or something where you're sort of a little bit, right. like you said, a little bit isolated from everybody else. I mean, I just felt felt bad for the candidate. You know, you got two close tables right next to you with other other patrons that are having their own conversations, and you're sitting there trying to fight this distraction to have an appropriate interview. Yeah, I had an interview with a, a similar situation, a restaurant-type situation, where I was being interviewed. I wasn't sitting next to one, mm-hmm. but I was being interviewed for one, and it was right before they opened for lunch. And I was interviewing with the store manager. Mm-hmm. Well, how many times we were interrupted by an employee that was like, hey, I need, you know, can I get help with this? I need this. I need, you know, what do I need to do here? And I'm like... Why would they schedule the interview to be right before open? Because I'm like, there has been no flow to this interview. I don't feel like, I don't feel comfortable getting into this situation because they can't even dedicate the time to, you know, lay it out cleanly to me. Right. So, yeah, environment is definitely important. Okay. So that's sort of the the settings piece. There are certain things that you really need to make sure that you're communicating to the candidate so that they have a full picture of the job and so forth. Don't, you know, using that bad word, assume, don't assume that they fully understand the job description. Don't right? assume they of, read the job description. Or, or read the job description, <laughs> right? So from a legal perspective, at the very least, outside of other reasons, make sure you're communicating fully what the job entails and that the candidate has all the information before they make their decision to to take the offer if you offer it to them. Because you don't want right. to get in an environment where they took the offer and they get it two weeks into the job and they say, this isn't anything like what you described in the interview. If oh. I if I known A, B, and C was going to happen, I wouldn't have taken the offer. And it's because you didn't communicate that to me. Right. Right. And, you know, within legal boundaries, again, this is 
why it's so important to understand what the legalities are, what, if you will, HR requirements are, Mm -hmm. questions you can and can't ask, but to the point of asking certain questions to make sure they're going to be able to fulfill the job duties physically. Is there lifting involved? Can Mm -hmm. they lift the right amount of weight? Can they be on their feet if they need to be on their feet all day? Things like that. Again, making sure they understand the job description and can fulfill the duties. But during the interview process, going back to what you said about writing out your interview questions, and this is what I used to do when I was interviewing for management, especially is have defined interview questions and make sure that they saw the sheet of interview questions I was using and taking those notes. Mm -hmm. Again, take the notes so that you can then compare candidates as well. Yeah, don't assume that you can be, remember every single detail of every single interview, particularly if you're interviewing 10, 12, 15, a high number right. of candidates. You want those notes to be able to go back to as you're going, making your decisions. And it's also going to help the candidate feel heard, not that you're just pinging questions off of them to make to have an interview. But if you're taking notes, you're consciously listening. They know that. So again, it's that they're interviewing you. So they see you're organized, taking notes, detailed, and most employees want structure. Most people coming into a business want to know their structure, there's organization. Yeah. So. And and another reason, and heaven forbid you ever get in a situation, if it becomes a legal issue, Mm -hmm. you've taken notes that you can refer to in the, in the legal proceedings from that perspective. So at the very least, that's the biggest reason why you should do it. All right, what about that big ballywig of personal personal stuff in a candidate, right? Again, I mean, this is depending on hiring employees or whatnot, but there are legal regulations around what you can and can't ask. Getting into their personal lives, personal questions mm-hmm. can get you into a world of trouble. Yes. Yeah, so I... I my advice to my direct reports whenever they were interviewing is you only want to get personal to the level that makes you or helps you to understand how successful they can be in executing the job. Right. Right. So things like, do you have a mode of transportation to get to work? Right. Right. Can you make yourself available for how many hours that are required out of the job? Those type things. You don't want to get in the, marital status and children and all those kinds of things, unless those issues affect the job that they're applying for. Right. Right. And you can get an idea of some of that by, you know, by asking some of those, you know, a little bit broader questions like, you know, you may, this may require you to work on the weekend. Some, mm-hmm. is that an acceptable thing for you? And then you find out, well, no, I, you know, weekends are, you know, sacred to my family. They may not be the right person, right. but you didn't ask the question, how's your family life? You know, what, right. what's important to you with your family? Like it's a little too personal, yeah, but you can the, get that answer through a broader question. If the candidate volunteers stuff, then they're, they're making that choice to right. volunteer it. But don't, right. don't go down the path of asking those specific questions. Right. Uh, that's when you start getting into legal issues. And then ultimately, I mean... Everybody hates feeling like they're just left out to dry with no information, but letting them know after the interview what your time frame on the decision is and make sure you stick to that. And you communicate the decision. This is this is a good battery different. It's happening more and more, unfortunately, in the business world where people are not getting back to candidate. The only time they get back to a candidate is if they're actually making an offer. Mm-hmm. Right. So you interview 10 people and you make an offer to somebody and the other nine are left hanging. Yep. Right. Not, you know, send them a letter, send them a note, you know, make a phone call, send them an email, something that tells them that you've made a decision and it's un- not, you know, unfortunately it's not them, but at least they can get closure out right. of it. I mean, because they may be waiting on that position to come through and putting all other prospects on hold. Mm-hmm. So it could actually hinder them or damage their financial situation where they could go find another position if they don't have, or they might be juggling multiple offers. And right. They've, they've sort of got, uh, this is the one I want the most. And then here's plan B plan C and you're not communicating with them at all. And they're, they're pushing back and, 
holding other employers off, you know, to the side. And again, another employer may say, hey, you're taking too long to make the decision. Just move candidate. with another candidate. And right. it's all because they really want to go work for you and you haven't communicated anything right. to them. That's just very disrespectful. Right. To not do that. And, be, and really, you know, to that time frame point, be really good on that time frame. Give them a time frame and Or if you need it. more time to just communicate that with them to say, I know I told you two weeks, but I need another week for whatever reason. Right. Communicate that to them. And even within that two weeks, continue to communicate. Say, hey, we're still continuing this interviewing process. We're going to keep mm-hmm. keep you in the loop. You know, I had a great situation with that. They told me two weeks. But I got from the person who was doing the hiring, I got a, you know, a message or a phone call every couple of days during that two-week time frame to say, hey, things are still going well. You're still on our, you know, there's you're still on our list. Wow, that's great. Yeah. I think that's a, I mean, it was, it was such a great feeling to know, okay, the decision hasn't finally been made, but at least they're keeping me in the loop and making me feel good about where we're at every couple of days. Right. So if I've got 10 candidates and I've interviewed all 10 candidates, what, what are some tips that we might have some folks about how to make the right decision? Who to hire? I think the biggest thing is, you know, compare candidates, look at their skill set, personalities, interview questions, everything we've went through are, are all tools to make the best decision. But at the end of the day, it's going to be your own intuition mm-hmm. that you've really felt out the candidates, use your heart, your head to, to figure out who's going to be best because the best person is not always the best on paper. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And that, I have to go on a personal rant here on this because you see so often times in in the corporate world or with hiring that the best candidate on paper is hired and they don't do the best job. Right. You can have somebody that looks on paper completely unqualified come in and absolutely just excel and be a superstar at that position. And it goes back to what I said earlier. I'd rather have somebody with zero experience that's coachable with a great attitude. Somebody that's coachable with a great attitude attitude can reach the stars if given the right instruction, mm-hmm. right? Compared to, oh, they have an amazing resume, right? So it's really all in the heart, all in the head, how you feel the energy you pick up from them. And if you get along as well. Yeah, one of my one of my best hires was a gentleman who came out of the army, no aviation experience. He was a, a tank driver, retired out of the army as a, a first sergeant. But he his attitude was, you know, you tell him to jump, he's how high. Yep. And he started at the very bottom of the rung, so to speak, within our within our team and within five to six years was at the very top. Wow. And it was all about mindset and a willingness to learn, make mistakes, learn from it, and so forth. And just became an, an employee that you just sit back in and you're just so proud of the work that he did to get him to where he is and the lifestyle he was able to live with his family and his kids and so forth because of that hard work. Yeah. I mean, I, that's that's the kind of employee I want every every single darn time. Mm-hmm. You know, hard charger and took care of customers and learned along the way and and made something for himself and his family out of it. Yeah, I think it's it's just so important to remember that you're hiring a person and you're relying on a person, not a piece of paper, not an educational degree, not a certification. You're not hiring those things. You're truly hiring a person that you're relying on. So remembering that that's that the person is more important than the 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 resume. Yeah, and it's I call them hard skills and soft skills. Yeah. In some cases, depending on the industry you're in and so forth, the soft skills are much more important than the hard skills. You know, particularly when you get into sales or other areas where it's greatly relationship based between your company and, and a potential customer and so forth that once again, you're trying to have the right interview questions that pulls out those soft skills and to look at both sides. Don't look look at just what's on paper. 
look at the whole picture. Well, I think that's a pretty exhaustive I list and is, tips uh, and so forth in the interview or the hiring process. I, mean, I think just, we covered everything from A to Z in the hiring process. A to Z, there you go. <laughs> so, but that's what we're here for is to to help you. I mean, this is a very scary thing. There's a lot of responsibility with it, you know, when you start having to hire people and it with the right knowledge and the, and the right tools and the right partners in terms of payroll people and employment attorney and so forth, you can skate through this process and come out smelling like a rose, so to speak. You know, it it's a little trepidatious and it's scary, but don't be afraid of that. Have a little bit of courage. Do the right planning, use the right tools, and you'll get through it. Right. I mean, especially for somebody that's built their business, that that's their baby, right? You're allowing mm-hmm. somebody else to watch that baby. And have an impact. <laughs> and have a huge impact in how yeah. that baby is raised. Yep. So just as a good parent would do very due diligence on hiring a literal babysitter mm-hmm. or a nanny or whatever you want to look at there it's the same way in hiring your employees they are raising and rearing that business right with you right i mean at the end of the day you're the you're the parent of that baby but they're they're playing a big part they're going to be client facing they're going to mm-hmm. be supporting the brand they're going to be part of your team right just like if you're married and have kids at home you've got the team back home right this is your business team right you need to treat it like they're part of the team Right. right for to get the uh, best chance of success in your business. Amen. So, well, everyone, we thank you again for tuning in with us this week. This is something like Andy said, it's scary, but it is so so crucial to your business and to the success of your business and growth. Next week, we'll move into the other hard, probably even scarier, harder end of the process of when when you have to cut that relationship off. So yeah, when things are break up, things aren't working well. <laughs> how do you break up with an employee? Right. So it's just a scary. I know that was well. my. That's always been my least favorite thing in business. Oh sure, oh, at least for it. anybody. Yeah. So how do you effectively do that? Right. And we pray that you'll tune back in with us next week. As always, give us a follow. Make mm-hmm. sure you don't miss an episode. We hope that. You know, our words, our message is generating value for you. And if it is, please, please, please share it with others. Word of mouth, a share button, send them the link and say, hey, you know, give these guys a listen. And if anything really peaks, reach out to us, please. Yeah, shoot us a note. Let us know what topics you want us to talk about. I mean, we've been sort of going by the hip, so to speak, what we think people want to hear, but shoot us a note on social media. If you have a topic that we haven't covered yet that you want us to to cover, I'm more than happy to do that. So don't be afraid to communicate with us. We don't bite. (laughs) Often. So So with that being said, have a great day. Have a great week. We hope you generated some value in your life through this episode and through our podcast. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find me online on Instagram at The Fitzpreneur, Facebook, and LinkedIn. For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search for Generate Your Value on those platforms. Once again, thanks for joining us for today's podcast, and we invite you to generate your value in this world.